0: Welcome to the Jada Edwards podcast. It's season 2, and I'm still sharing with you what God is sharing with me. So, I love getting to do this um and and really kind of get behind the scenes a little bit. And so, y'all, Nona has an amazing story, your testimony, like all of us. It, I don't think one testimony is better than the other, but I think adding depth to a person, adding dimension, allows you to see number one how God is using them, but also be encouraged how he might use you. And so I want you to share a little bit about your beginning. What was your your testimony your childhood experience that many of us might not know?
1: Yeah, well, I, I love this question because I do believe that sometimes we walk into the successful chapter a person's life is on, Mm -hmm. and we just assume that's the whole story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I was born to a mother who didn't wanna have children. She and my father had been married for 13 years when she found out she was pregnant with me. And my dad was so excited, um, but she was angry. And the reason she didn't wanna have children is she grew up in a situation where there was a lot of kids in the house. They didn't have a lot of money. Her father was extremely abusive, and so Mm -hmm. she thought that her mother only stayed because of the kids. And so she didn't want to have any children. So anyway, fast forward to she finds out she's pregnant. Um, About six months into the pregnancy, my father started to have stomach pain. And so he went to the doctor to have it diagnosed and it came back as terminal stomach cancer. And so my father passed away um, shortly before my second birthday and left me with my mother who didn't want children. Uh, And so she moved us to the other side of the country. She was following a guy she barely knew, just kind of met him and he said he would take care of her And that relationship fell apart as soon as we got to Florida, which is where we moved. And so she had a string of boyfriends that came in and out of her life for many years, and then she settled on a guy who became her living boyfriend. Now, I knew from the beginning, I was about five, I didn't like him. Mm -hmm. I didn't like any, I didn't know anything about the spirit, but I just didn't like the way he was. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why I tell all mothers, do not force your child to like somebody they don't. Because... They have a discernment. They have a discernment. Mm -hmm. No, you talk about the red flags. Mm -hmm. Children have a really good red flag radar Mm -hmm. and we just try to turn it off. Mm -hmm. But um, so he moved in and shortly after he moved in, uh, my mom's sister passed away and she had to go back home. And I begged her to take me with her. I will never forget it. I was in her room, I, I was crying, I wanted to go with her. And she said she couldn't afford another plane ticket. So she left me with him. And um, the very first night she was away, I locked my bedroom door because I knew I needed that barrier to keep myself safe. Um, But he used a straightened wire hanger to pick the lock. And that first night that she was away, he sexually assaulted me that very first night. And he said, um, after it was all over, he said, you better not tell your mother because she doesn't want you anyway and she'll get rid of you. And so he repeatedly abused me for years. And I didn't say anything because I thought that my mom would get rid of me until one day I just could not take it anymore. And so I said something to her and she had him arrested and I thought it was over. And um, on the day of his release from jail, she took me with her to pick him up and brought him back home where the abuse resumed shortly thereafter. And, um, you know, didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't know anything about God, Bible, Jesus. And so around nine years old, I tried to end my life because I didn't understand what death was, but I just figured that it was less than what I was experiencing mm. and so I, I have a son right now who's who's eight he'll be nine this year, and I look at him and i'm just i can't I can't comprehend Going now at that age, at that yeah. age. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't successful. I tried again at eleven and um, it wasn't successful, but shortly thereafter, a classmate of mine in the sixth grade invited me to church and I had never heard of church. I thought we were gonna go play at her house or something. Yeah. And uh, we went to this church thing and I remember walking through the doors and the people were so loving and mm-hmm. so kind. And like for the first time in my life, I felt like people wanted me to be there because yeah. in school I was labeled a problem child. I was told I had a learning disability because I was acting out. Yeah. And so um, it wasn't too long after that, man, I gave my life to the Lord and um it's just oh my gosh i think about how my life could have been so different mm. had my classmate my not god. invited me to church which is why i keep i keep telling parents stay on your kids yes. don't let them not come to church don't let yes. them not be a part of a church community because yeah. they are the missionaries that god is sending into school yeah so that's and what And even I and
0: even not even just, oh my gosh there's so much in what you just said so i'm going to just start the last thing not even just having your own kids in church having your kids invite their friends, yes. because especially children under the age of 12 to 15, they say they're the most open, they, even if their family and their household does not go to church or is not getting, they're most open because they're not threatened by it. They're just, they're exploring, invite them, because you never know if that is an exposure that is going to change the trajectory of that child's life.
1: The other piece about it that I, I, I like to harp on is, and I, I don't, I'm gonna guess you don't have this problem here because I can tell you're a loving church. Um, it's so important to realize that when people walk through those doors, you never know what they're carrying. Like when I walked through those doors, I was a two-time suicide attempt survivor at the age of 11, right? So people would look at me and they would just assume I was just a regular kid. They had no idea I was being sexually abused at home. They had no idea. But the love, the love is what gripped me. I didn't know scripture. I didn't know nobody shared the gospel. It was the love that made me say, I want to be here. I don't know what this is about, (laughs) but I want to be here. And that changed my life.
0: And that is really, really even though you didn't know it at that age, that was your first taste of God because he's love. And yes. when that love, when it, it covers a multitude of not yes. just sin, of pain, yes. of past trauma, it, you really can't explain it because here's the other thing I'm observing for. I want to get into your, your leadership story too, but, watch Scott. but this is so good because, and I'm going to ask you this, we didn't plan this, but the way you're talking about your story, um, I, I I, forgiveness is something I teach on a lot, I love it. By the way, let me just say as a random thing, y'all know I'm scatterbrained. Okay, if you, <laughs> if you have been in Bible study and we're talking in a series right now about why church matters, did she not just say the whole, you said literally 17 things and I was like, that's what we just talked on. And some of it you just said, we just talked on in Wednesday. Girl, the Lord, besides the leggings is just the taste. Just taste and see, <laughs> and he'll take you deeper um so good but but for real so the forgiveness piece and I and I say that because I always I, one of the things that I try to remind people of is that you know forgiveness is not ignoring it's not erasing like it's it's an acute awareness so the wound is there but when I touch it it don't hurt still the wound is there and I know the story behind it I know how I went through it so to hear you talk with this clarity about that level of pain how, how did you get to that place Lord, when you just said Good, forgiveness, yeah. see, that's what I'm saying. We don't
1: want a court. We don't have to just like spend spend a few we weeks do together. Just we yeah. But forgiveness was the key because what God had to teach me, and it took it took a few years because you know I had to grow in my faith and mature in my yeah. faith. But what God taught me because I carried around bitterness for many years toward my mom and her boyfriend and and even teachers. I was like nobody ever asked me why I was behaving the way I was behaving. They just punished me, and so I carried that for years. So when I got to the place where I was like, I don't want to feel this way anymore, God told me you have to forgive. And I didn't know what forgiveness was but what I came to discover is that forgiveness is like, forgiveness is literally releasing your future from the
0: power of your past. You know? And Say it li- one more time. Somebody gonna want to tweet that later? Don't tweet <laughs> it now. Stay in the moment. But just say it one more time. Forgiveness, you can write it down for later.
1: Forgiveness is releasing your future from the power of your past. Um, there was so many times where even as, after I got married and I started having children and like, I couldn't experience the joy because I was being tormented by my past. I would be triggered by things. And God was like, it's because you are still holding on to basically a a debt that first of all, neither your mother nor her boyfriend are ever going to repay. They
0: can't, they're not even capable.
1: They're not even capable. And let me tell you, my mom is the type that she doesn't even think she has to, I'm going to tell y'all, this is just being true. Um, When I was about 26, I was riding in the car with my mom and I said to her, I said, mom, you know, we really need to talk about what happened. Mm -hmm. And my mother said to me verbatim, she said, well, it wouldn't have happened if you would have just kept your legs closed. At five. That at five, that was the moment I knew that there was nothing I could say that would make her see the need of apology. But that's also why sisters hear me, there is no power in an apology. None. Please hear me. None. Some of you are in here waiting That's right. on somebody to Say apologize it. for something they did. They have moved on. They are sleeping good at night. That's They're right. not thinking about what happened. And you have the power in you right now today That's right. to get free, Yeah. which is why I'm so grateful for forgiveness. Because God is like, look, daughter, you don't have to wait on anybody to do anything. I give you the power within you to experience freedom. And so, the process I had to go through in order to
0: forgive is I had to first admit yeah. that I was bitter yeah. my God step one Wait a minute because how can you how can you look at all the things right you have a case literally you have a case for bitterness and anger and resentment and 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 we can get you that place of saying, God, I know what I should be doing, but you get it right God, you saw my life mm-hmm. so Only God can can take people who have been victimized or people who have been the offended ones and make them come to their own realization that they need to check their own heart. Yes. Only God can do that. Because otherwise you'll be waiting on the person outside of you to do only what God can do in you. Oh, yes. That is such a y'all. I hope Listen, somebody needs to hear this today. Yes. You while you're waiting on somebody that's outside of you and somebody that's not God to do something, Mm-mm. say something, fix something that they can't do anyway. Mm-mm. It could be that God is waiting on you to look in your own heart. Yes. And, and he's like, me and you can get through this together, but now, you don't even need them. I will say this. The other thing God taught me is,
1: just because I forgive someone doesn't mean I have to be in a relationship with them. At, listen. And, and that, that is the part that freed me the most, Yes. because I would have people say to me, that's just about
0: that. You better say it because
1: people need it. (laughs) But I I would have people say to me, and I pray this frees somebody who's dealing with the guilt of this, Mm. is they would say, well, but you only have one mother and you need to make it right. And and you need to be in relationship and you need to do this and you need to do that. And I said, no. No. I said, see, relationships are two sides of a coin. On the one side, there's forgiveness. That's what I control. Yeah. On the other side, there's repentance. Yeah. That's right. And I do not have to be in relationship with an unrepentant person. That's right. I can forgive them. That's right. I can love them and release them. Yeah. But an unrepentant person is going to re-offend because they do not think that what they did was wrong in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah. God
0: bless you. I love you. Absolutely. Love you from a distance. Right. Yeah. And, and by the way, that is not bitterness or self-protective. That is biblical. That's because biblical. God will not be in relationship with you if you are unrepentant. He has forgiven everybody. But you have to repent to have a relationship with God. That is the standard. Reconciliation is not the same as forgiveness. We have to both be on the same page about this thing to move forward. So it's okay to let them go in your heart and let them go from your life. But get it in the right order. Don't let them go from your life and they still have power in your heart. Let them go in your heart and then let them go from your life. That is, that's the word. And you know what else I want to... Does it seem like, because you talked about the age, like five, some significant things happen. Seeing your son at eight, 11, nine, the suicide attempts. Does that, does that then, as I've done uh, done some my own counseling, by the way, counseling y'all, I just need people to know. Don't wait it till you're about to God. kill somebody. Go, I'm for real. It is not for a crisis. You need a person outside of yourself. Ooh, okay, okay. You need a person outside yeah, of can yourself. I, can
1: I just like emphasize this so much? Come on. Let me tell you something. Satan has us so bound by thinking that we have to keep this stuff to ourselves. Yep. Yep. But if you think about what's the root of that, it's pride. Pride, honey. You the know, root pride. of it is always pride. You better not tell nobody you're going to bring shame on this family. Yeah. You better not say nothing you're going to embarrass us. I, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to bring shame on anybody, but I am here to get free because that's what Jesus did is he set us free. So don't allow other people's insecurities. To keep you in bondage, you need somebody to talk to. Please don't feel like, well, I don't, I don't want to share the business or the oh, family. You tell and your out business. The dirty
0: laundry and tell all your no, business. to be healed short. from it. I mean, <laughs> yes, what's the yes. worst thing? Somebody gonna know? They not God. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't care. So, y'all better tell somebody and listen. And I, our church is big on small groups. Get a counselor so you do not stress stressing out your small group. They cannot. Your small group cannot bear the burden of your counseling need that's all the group leaders are like yeah because people come and they're like i don't know what to do i don't know what to say and i'm like pray for them and give them a resource small group is for doing life together but for those deep wounds you need a counselor who has the time and the skill set to help you unpack those things so get it, y'all. We, we have counseling at church, but listen, we all about the counseling. Yes. So, I, and I just want to make a note because I think what you, some things you said in your life about those milestone ages, that forgiveness um, can happen in an instant, but that healing is a process. And so you can forgive, release, right? So I can be declared healed, but there's still rehab. There's physical, So like that means that I think I'm through with it, but then when your son turned five, you're like, wait a minute. You got a new set of visuals, then we turn eight, and then you know when you got mad, like all these other things trigger it and and here 's what I think I do want to talk a little bit about this leadership piece in your life because I have found that uh, those core things that God requires of to requires of us to be free to be loving, be to be in peace with him to all that stuff including forgiveness, submission for us. Um, they are often very connected to how he can move us in certain spaces. So you're not thinking, oh, I don't get the job at such and such because I have unforgiveness in my heart. They are very connected because that unforgiveness signifies a lack of reliance on God. So he's like, it might not seem like the same thing, but that stuff, did did you see the opportunities in your life start to shift when you started to let go of that personal
1: stuff? Oh my gosh, yes, because... Um, I actually, So I actually teach a course, and I, I coined this term because it's what I teach. I teach about trauma-informed leadership. Because what people don't realize is that what happened to you, it changes the way you show up. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you interpret things. And so until you get healed of the impact of that trauma, Um, You cannot even be fully the leader that God has created you to be because your leadership is tainted. Your leadership, Good. that's why you'll have people in leadership positions who are domineering and micromanaging and very egotistical. It's because there is trauma there that yeah. they haven't resolved. And what happens is, this is where the death spiral happens, is they they pursue higher levels of leadership thinking, if I just get that position, then I'll finally matter, then it'll finally be okay. And so you pull that trauma up into higher levels of leadership, and now you just have somebody in a high level le- leadership who is a jerk. That's it. Right, right. They're just mean. Jacking up
0: everybody's yes, life. Just messing everybody up. Yes. And so as I was able to confront. And even on the other end of the spectrum though, right? If oh, they're yes. extremely passive, yes. won't make a decision, they won't passive aggressive. Yes. So that comes from pain too, right? Yeah, I've never felt free to use my yep. voice or what It can be one extreme or the other, yeah.
1: Yes, that's so true. And so as I, because I, so I was in a, my first executive role at the age of 23 mm. um, for a Fortune 100, very large company. And I had progressively responsible leadership roles across different sectors so that by the time I was, I mean, I'm 39 now, so I've been in executive leadership literally for the last 16 years. And what I didn't realize, though, is my kind of elevation was fueled by my brokenness. I kept thinking like, oh gosh, if I just get a bigger job, finally I'll matter. You know, I got uh, put in the essence 40 under 40, and I was like, all right, finally I'll matter. And then, you know, that fades away. Um, I was at the White House when President Obama was in office. I was there almost every month, and it was like, all right, finally I'll matter, come around all these powerful people. And it's like, no, there is a brokenness on the inside that has to be repaired. And so you're trying to fill it with titles and positions and bank, and that's why I talk the way I do because I've been there. I'm not telling you something abstract. You've got to get healed yeah. because that's the only way you'll be whole. There is yeah. nothing on the outside of you that will fill a deficit on the inside of you. Yeah. Nothing. And yeah. I know people say, well, I just want to try it and see. Right. Like, people say money not going to you know, buy happiness. Well, let's just try Let and me see. Let try and see. Yeah. Um, i tell you if it don't work. I'm telling you, there are billionaires strung out on drugs taking yeah. their lives yeah. because
0: there is unresolved trauma. Yeah. And so it matters.
1: That's a word.
0: Y'all, that's such an encouragement for us because I think that we look at the spaces that God moves people in and we just think that, oh, they they were blessed or they somehow got some favor. And and a lot of times, even though all the blessings come from God, but a lot of times there are blessings and opportunities being kept at bay because God cannot trust us to represent him well in certain spaces because we got so much hurt and baggage. she's like, I don't, I don't need you to go out there and you might go left on somebody because you haven't dealt with that thing from 20 years ago. Let me tell you my prayer,
1: even to this day, is Lord, do not take me where my character can't keep me.
0: I do not. Listen, we don't even want to pray that because like, we might not go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> tell my Lord, kinda, kinda don't take me. <laughs> Be stuck like, like, like he moved in 12 years. He said, remember that time you prayed? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Girl, that is a whole world. You, y'all, she has blessed us, hadn't she, in a short 20 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure to leave a comment, leave a review, share, subscribe, all the things, and we'll catch you next time.